0: Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we've got a really cool episode lined up for you guys. We have Green Zone Therapy sitting in our space. Um, I don't know if you've seen our stuff from before. We at The other half of what we do at uh, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone is our continuing education company called Conant Institute. And we have started putting together education networking nights. And our first one, we had Green Zone Therapy come out and do a presentation, and today we're lucky enough to have Green Zone Therapy sitting into our office today. So I'm looking forward to this conversation, especially with all the changes that have been happening with cannabis in Canada pre October 17th post October 17th. And so yeah, let's 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 jump right into it. All right, hey everyone, it's Amanda, registered massage therapist here in
1: Toronto as well. And as Mark said, we've got uh, we don't have Green Zone Therapy. We have Christine Fernando, who is the clinical administrator at Green Zone at Therapy where? At, yeah. where? <laughs> at Green Zone Therapy. Thank you. I was just trying to I was giving her a name and she is here uh, to talk to us about what they do, about herself, about how she got into the cannabis industry. And um, none of you guys can see this, but Christine is 31 weeks pregnant. So I am so grateful that you are taking time to sit here with us. And if we have to pause for a pee break, sorry, everyone. It's just going to have to happen. Thank so, you. Christine, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. So, for anybody that is listening that would have no idea, can you tell us what Green Zone Therapy is?
2: Yep. So, Green Zone Therapy is is a medical cannabis clinic um, right now. We are um, a clinic that assesses medical marijuana eligibility for patients. Um, and we assess patients, we, we provide prescriptions for them, and we connect them with licensed producers who are like the, the pharmacy where you would get your medical cannabis from. And, um, and we connect you with them help you with your order, and uh, your order comes right to your doorstep so you don't have to go anywhere to get your medical marijuana. It comes right
1: to your door. And how long have you been in the cannabis industry yourself?
2: Um, For about three years now. I've worked in a couple other cannabis clinics. It's been a crazy ride the past three years with uh, so many legislations coming into play and um, so many different licensed producers and companies and investors and investments um, coming into play. So it's definitely... It's definitely a whirlwind. It's definitely been a whirlwind
1: um, kind of industry to be a part of. Well, I want to learn a bit more about the cannabis industry because I'm not even going to pretend I I understand it fully. But before we get into that, I wanted to talk about you a little bit because you're a medical doctor. Where did you go to med school?
2: So I got my undergrad from U of T. And then I went to the States. I did my medical schooling there, um, did all my rotations in the States, um, did my licensing exams in the States. Um, unfortunately, family planning came in the way of me practicing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my husband's doing that. So I'm letting him take the reins on I'm like, you do you, man. I'm going to just sit back. And um, that's where when cannabis kind of came into play, um, I started off in the cannabis industry and I kind of fell in love with the medical aspect of it. There's so many different therapeutic benefits to medical cannabis. And um, as a physician, as someone with uh, knowledge of, of medicine, when something new comes comes in on, on the horizon, Everyone's so scared of it, Mm -hmm. and what I learned just by being in the industry was that this drug, this medication, is actually very beneficial for a lot of patients, for the elderly, for the young, for your middle-aged patients. And just doing my research, I was very um, intrigued by the drug, and I I kind of... um, that's when I was like, I'm going to stay in this industry and do the best that I can to
1: educate people because I think that's the most important thing about medical cannabis. Yeah, I don't think people do know enough about it. Um, one thing that you and I have talked about and you've said to me probably seven times is uh, it's not a miracle drug. Yes. And that seems to be like, I guess now with legalization and you know people who have always been advocates of legalization, It seems to be everyone on social media is posting all of these things like, you know, cannabis benefits this and this and this Mm -hmm. and this. And I I know there's a lot of truth to it, but it's not a miracle drug.
2: No. And I, and I have to stress that with patients too, because they come into our clinics and some, sometimes some of them think that it's going to cure them. It's going to cure my depression. It's going to cure my anxiety. It's going to cure my pain. And I have to tell them, you know what? It's not a cure. It's going to help you manage your symptoms. Um, just the way painkillers would manage your symptoms. Painkillers are not a cure for, for pain. They just help you manage and get through your day. So
0: can we back this up a little bit? Because we're floating around of many, many ideas. We're floating around the idea of legalization. We're floating around the idea of the medical use of cannabis. So can we start by maybe telling us what are some of the medical uses for cannabis?
2: Yeah. So mostly, um, most of my patients come in for pain, um, chronic pain, um, fibromyalgia, um, pain resulting from a motor vehicle accident. Um, The second reason they would come in is anxiety. Um, Anxiety, depression, usually they go hand in hand. So, and and with with any mental health issues, it can can be sort of a gray area. So we really do have to assess them properly. We give them um, surveys so that we can better understand where they're at in terms of anxiety and depression. But I think those three are the main the main conditions that you use cannabis for. But it can be used for epilepsy. Um, studies are showing that with young children, it's helping them. Um, studies have even shown that cannabis can help with uh, with re- shrinking tumors. Um, I was going to ask tumors. you about
1: that. Actually. Yeah,
2: so there's all these different studies that are coming out, and it and it's great, and it's great that it's coming out right now because, you know, thanks to Reagan, a lot of these studies weren't happening back in the in the 70s, 80s, even in the 90s. So now with cannabis losing its stigma a little bit, um, a lot of research companies are starting to do the research that is necessary for us. But but the caveat is the research just started about 20. 15, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And that's not really a long-term study for us to see the long-term benefits of cannabis. Everything that we're seeing right now is very short-term. So when patients ask me, what are the long-term benefits? The actual answer right now is we don't really know. There's still more studies that need to to come out and we need to give it time. I'm going to go back to that miracle drug comment. It is... It has its benefits. It's really great. It helps with so many different um, conditions, but we have to be very cautious as well as providers and prescribers. Um, when we prescribe the
1: medication. All right. How did you, how did you learn about this? You know, you sort of, you sort of glazed over that when you were talking about, you know, you did your rotations in the States and then, you know, your husband is now practicing as yeah. a licensed physician yeah. and then you said, and so I got into cannabis, but how, how does that happen? Seeing that there was such a stigma and there wasn't a lot of research, how did it get Well, I'll
2: you? be honest in medical school, they don't really talk about cannabis. Um, I think we had one class where we kind of went over cannabis very briefly. Um, I didn't learn about the endocannabinoid system in in medical school. There, we weren't taught that. I wasn't taught about the different conditions that that cannabis and cannabinoids can can help alleviate. So, w- in terms of what I learned in medical school, I have to say it wasn't a lot mm-hmm. until I started working um, in another cannabis clinic. And um, I started seeing patients and I started seeing the feedback from patients. You know, I'd have a patient that came in walking in a cane for the majority of his, of the past 10 years. And then he comes in three months later after getting a prescription for medical cannabis and he's walking on his own. Um, These are the kind of cases we, we saw. And that, these were these were the kind of cases that weren't really being reported or um, weren't really being um, weren't, weren't really other physicians weren't really telling patients about these cases either So what I noticed was here's a drug that is doing some good but there's so much stigma that's surrounding it and and a lot of physicians are are, open to prescribing opioids and a whole bunch of these crazy medications and they're not even looking at cannabis and so when working at this cannabis clinic i i did my research on on cannabis what are the different cannabinoids what is cbd what is it's the first time i've had even ever heard of cbd what is it? How does it help? How can we educate not only patients, but physicians too? Because there's so many physicians who don't know the, the therapeutic benefits of CBD. So how, how how can we do that? And that's kind of how I I got into education and medical cannabis education.
1: Well, it doesn't surprise me that you wouldn't have learned about it in med school. I mean, even, even if it, there wasn't the stigma, even if there wasn't the, you know, Legalization concerns, or you know, whatever was going on then. Um, do you even learn? Do you learn a lot about pharmacology in med school, or is that? It. it I don't know. We do.
2: The farm pharmacology is a huge subject, but uh, cannabis is not a part so of that. Yeah,
1: it's not a part no. of it at all. Okay. <laughs> not at all. so you started doing your own research.
2: Yes, I started doing my own research. Up a lot of it was my own research and just seeing these cases mm-hmm. on a day by day basis, and that's kind of how I was introduced to all these benefits of it. I also suffer with anxiety, so when I see a patient who can't, who comes in, and who says, you know, I I suffer from panic attacks, it's really bad, I have anxiety, and I, and and you know, she, this patient was given CBD to see this person come back and say, CBD has been so therapeutic, so um, wonderful. Like I I can, I feel like myself again. I, I don't feel like this anxiety is hovering over me anymore. That really, I, I, I think that really turned my perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I mean, going in, I was also very skeptical too. I mean, I was like cannabis, you know, how can, it's a recreational drug. How can it, how can it be helpful but when you hear these stories of the from these patients and you see patients walking in without a cane that you've seen walk with canes who are able to do things that weren't that they weren't able to do it it changes your perspective and you realize there are medical benefits you have to
1: you cannot deny that so I,
2: okay i can
1: see you know from the anecdotal evidence you realize yes there's benefits how did you yourself learn about dosages and how to properly prescribe and how to assess, seeing as there wasn't a lot of information about this already.
0: Before we get into that, I think we need to do a a little bit of an education hour. I think we need to describe a little bit about CBD. I think we need to talk about THC, like the different components of cannabis, because Mm -hmm. a lot of times when people think cannabis, they just think of you're rolling a joint, you're getting high. And that isn't necessarily what we're talking about here. Although, is it? Canopy? But anyway, that's. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you talk about that yeah. because let's, let's take it right back for anyone yeah. that's listening that has no idea what the hell we're talking about yeah. right now.
2: So when you think of cannabis, like you said, you think THC first, right? You think, oh my gosh, I'm going to get high. Um, it's a recreational thing. I just, it's going to help me do whatever I need to do. Dazed and confused. <laughs> <laughs> Dazed and confused, exactly. And yes, THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, um, is the the part of the cannabis plant that does give you a high you will feel a little buzzed it also causes the dry mouth makes you hungry gives you the munchies but it it, it does have its therapeutic benefits as well THC can help um, with with pain it can help alleviate insomnia a lot of patients come to me for for their insomnia and we've given them THC with mixed with CBD and they've found that it they've helped it's helped them immensely. So THC does have its benefits, but the main therapeutic aspect of cannabis I would say is CBD, which is cannabidiol. and this this can, uh, cannabinoid helps with a whole variety of things. It's the one that helps with anxiety, epilepsy. Um, it helps with pain as well and it does not give you the high that the THC, would give you, um, and another cool aspect of uh, cannabidiol is that it can actually counteract the effects of THC. So if you give a patient THC with a little bit of CBD, you won't feel as high as if you uh, as as they would feel if you had just given them just THC. So the CBD helps um, diminish the the high or the, any of the side effects felt by the tea, THC. So
0: how is CBD administered?
2: So there are three ways that you can use it right now. Uh, again, this will change in 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 2019. But um, legally, you can smoke it. Mm-hmm. Um, so roll up a joint smoking it. You can vaporize it using a, a vaporizer. These two ways would... Um, you would use the dried buds. Um, But another way to administer is the oils. Um, So we have cannabis oils uh, from licensed producers, just ingest them. Some people even use it topically if their pain or whatever their condition is, is more localized and they they find that it helps them. Everyone reacts to cannabis differently. Mm -hmm. Um, So what works for one person may not necessarily work for another person. But those are the three ways that you can consume cannabis right now. I know there are other methods of consuming, but they're not technically illegal right now. <laughs>
0: what what would those methods be?
2: Um, concentrates. Um, people. I they use shatter, which is you know very highly concentrated THC. Um, so these are not recognized by Health Canada for therapeutic purposes. But uh, right now, it's just the smoking, uh, vaporizing, and the oils. Uh, In 2019, um, I believe licensed producers will start to have edibles on the market. So gummy bears, things like that. Um, There is some controversy surrounding that, but... um, I think in 2019. What's the controversy? You know, when when cannabis comes in things like gummy bears, kids, it's very attractive to kids. I right? just heard
0: a story about this on the news this morning that a whole bunch of kids at a school ended up being really really sick because they ate like um they they ate a whole bunch of cannabis infused snacks and I, I didn't get to hear the whole thing because I pulled into the office to figure out like what was that all about. But yeah, yeah. I
2: think it was in Oshawa. Yeah, um, a couple of kids brought um, cannabis cookies from home. And that's one of the things that we, we stress during education. When we, when we give patients, um, cannabis, we tell them, you know what, store it away from kids, um, and make sure that you're not sharing your cannabis with people under the age of 19. It's just like alcohol. Yeah, I know this one, uh, person decided they weren't going to start properly and their kids brought it to school. But that
1: that happens with drugs as well. You know, exactly. kids get into the medicine cabinet, kids exactly. get the pills. So not that I'm saying it's a good thing. Obviously, you don't want your kids eating cannabis cookies. No. However, you don't want your pills chewing your uh, your pills you don't want your kids <laughs> chewing your pills so or your
2: pets yeah it, yeah
1: it's everything has to be stored properly yeah. not just this and unfortunately because although the stigma is diminished it still exists a story like this goes straight to the news exactly because, it's because like, it's, look there's a bunch of kids that are high we shouldn't have legalized cannabis exactly <laughs> when you
2: when you legalize something that's already controversial any little spark to light the fire will we'll do that. Mm-hmm. And this unfortunately was one of those
1: cases. Is it okay if I go back to this question? Yeah, so sorry, because I interrupted. No, 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 that's fine. We, we did need to do the education, but I'm so curious to understand. I mean, obviously I'm not going to understand it. You're not going to teach me in a, you know, hour podcast, yeah. but how did you learn how to properly assess patients and, and prescribe proper dosages? So a lot of it was training,
2: a lot of, uh, was a huge there's a long training period with any cannabis clinic when you have educators um, who not only go on their own experience but who also go through extensive training period. We have read so many different surveys, so many different research papers. So a lot of it is that, but a lot of it is also hands-on experience. So in the past, three years, I've seen thousands of patients who've, mm-hmm. who've come in and, and that's really opened my eyes to just to see the progression from, you know, if a patient's suffering again from pain to being pain-free or if a patient who has, um, I, we've even assessed patients um, as young as five for epilepsy and to see this child have... Three, four seizures, um, epileptic episodes per week to one, or even none, is truly eye opening. And you, like I said, you can't you can't deny these these cases. So I think that's how I I I learned about it. That's how I you kind of know when a patient comes in, you say, okay, is this an elderly patient? is as a patient who's had experience using cannabis before a lot of the patients that come into green zone are are cannabis naive we say cannabis naive meaning they don't they've maybe tried it once or twice in their lifetime but they haven't used it in the past 10 20 years and so and they're elderly as well so there's a lot of education that needs to needs to go into um, helping these patients a lot of care that goes into helping these patients. So we ask them to follow up with us more often than a patient who, say, has been using cannabis for 20, 30 odd, odd years and who knows extensively their their cannabis. Their, mm-hmm. th- they know the different strains. They know how it'll help them. So we, ha- we kind of have to go on a patient-by-patient basis and see what this patient needs and, and we help them with that. So that's kind of, and I always tell patients, I'm like, like I, like I said earlier, cannabis works differently on different people and mm-hmm. it works on a whole bunch of different factors. Your metabolism, your age, your experience, how much, you're, how much the dose you're taking, um, whether you're active, even whether you're, you're skinny or obese or where, where mm-hmm. you are on the BMI scale all affects how your body metabolizes cannabis. So yeah,
1: like a lot of other drugs, everything's going to be a factor. Yeah. Um, so a lot of, a lot of what you're saying is that you're sort of learning through trial and error because yeah. there isn't as much research. Yeah. The first cannabis clinic you ever worked in, Yes. this was in Canada. Yes. So explain the whole legal side of this to me then. So before cannabis was um, legalized recreationally, which just happened mm. October 17th, before that, obviously these clinics you worked in, they were legal. What would, When did that all happen? And I, yeah. that's the, that's the great part that I don't know. Like people were able to get medicinal cannabis yes. before it was yes. legal recreationally. So
2: in Canada, cannabis was legalized medically in uh, 2001.
1: 2001. Okay. Yes.
2: Um, so patients need to be assessed, but not a lot of patients were being assessed for the from 2001 to 2014. Why? Because there wasn't any accessibility for... So you were given a prescription, but you don't know where to get the cannabis from. There right. was I, no would have, one. I would have had no idea. Yeah. As of 2014, um, they the government established the licensed producers. So the licensed producers are the ones that are federally mandated to produce and dispense cannabis. So now you've, you have patients who need medical cannabis and now they have a place to go and get it, which didn't exist in 2001. That's why I say between 2001 and 2014, cannabis prescriptions were given, but patients didn't really know where to go. But as of 2014, um, with licensed producers coming into play, now you had a place to go and get your cannabis to
0: make the order so where would they have gone from 2001 to 2014 does this just does, do i now have this prescription that allows me to carry and use cannabis and i essentially go to my drug dealer friend's basement and, yeah, it, it, <laughs> or it, i buy it online somewhere yeah, and get it shipped it's
2: very me? Un, unfortunate but they they had to get it um illegally they had to get it um in ways that that wasn't necessarily um Legal. So right. they, it was very unfortunate. So, yeah, it was, I don't think it was planned out very well. Yeah,
0: it's kind of strange, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, there's still a lot of issues with legality now. Right. But uh, it was definitely not as bad as it was back then. With the licensed producers, you kind of have, I mean, there's still issues with licensed producers in terms of how much they can produce. Um, Health Canada's is always on their. Tales about it. They can only produce a certain amount, which is why you have so many shortages and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's not a perfect mod model, right. but at least at least patients can can go
1: somewhere now. At least they have a place to go and get their cannabis. I've been seeing headlines and stuff since October seventeenth, and you know now that it is legal to use recreationally, I'm seeing all these headlines that there there are shortages. Is this then affecting patients who need it for medicinal uses? Like are, are, you know, the people who are just getting it for fun, taking it from the people who need it? Well,
2: no, I, the licensed producers, when, so I, I should mention here that, um, even recreationally right now in Ontario, you can only get it through the Ontario Cannabis Store website.
0: Right, uh, okay.
2: so, and 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 the Ontario cannabis store so the OCS website has mostly licensed producers products but it's not their entire line licensed producers have only only give OCS maybe a few products out of 10 they'll probably give two or three to to OCS okay, okay. So there's still they still have products for medical marijuana users however there's still shortages. And there has always been shortages, even before legalization. Some cannabis companies won't have CBD oil for three months at a time. And so when it comes back on the market, patients will be like, well, I don't know how long it's going to last this time. So that instead of one bottle, they'll end up getting five. And so that exacerbates the, the shortage even more. So it's not a per again it's not perfect but at least patients have something that they can that they can buy if it's not from one LP license producer um, then they can always go to another license producer as long as they have
1: their medical documentation before we put the mics on today, you said to me that legalization hasn't changed your business at all
2: No, I don't think it really has um, as far as the medical need for cannabis, it still exists. a lot of patients, a lot of elderly patients, I would say, they, they're hesitant to just walk into OCS or, or I guess soon enough Shopper's Drug Mart and be like, hey, I'd like cannabis. They want to be assessed. They want um, sound medical advice. And so our needs still exist. The need for clinics still exists. Another good aspect of canna- medical cannabis is that you can claim it on your tax return at the end of the year as a medical expense, which you can't do with, uh, with recreational cannabis. Right. Again, with recreational cannabis, you're paying a lot of taxes and with medical cannabis, not as
1: much. So Is anything that you guys do covered under OHIP?
2: Um, so our assessment are um, to come and see... Uh, a doctor or a nurse practitioner is covered, um, but the cannabis itself is not covered, unfortunately, because cannabis doesn't have a DIN number, a drug ident- identification number right now. So I know some insurance companies are starting to cover it, like Sun Life, Manulife, but on the whole, it's still not covered yet. So
1: I realized when I said OHIP, we have listeners who are not in Ontario yeah. or even Canada. Um <laughs> Is it covered under our health care plan is what I was asking. So the assessment is the assessment because you is. are medical doctors, but then if somebody actually needs a prescription, they have to well, pay for the prescription. Yeah,
2: exactly. So getting the actual product itself, they'd have to pay for it. The prescription is will be covered just getting the product. They'd have to pay out of pocket, unfortunately. Is this
1: an expensive drug?
2: It depends on... A lot of different factors. Some licensed producers will sell, you know, branded cannabis. Like I know Snoop Dogg has a line, which can
1: be a little bit more expensive. Uh, Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Like the, I have no idea. This is a, so somebody who needs cannabis for medical reasons can choose to buy Snoop Dogg's yes. product. Yeah. And they're gonna pay for the. Li- who buys name-brand cannabis? Well, you do it's...
0: <laughs> People buy name-brand drugs?
2: That's, no, I that's know. True. Yeah, that's Yeah, you have so... generic drugs yeah. and you have Tylenol or you can just go with acetaminophen. So.
1: <laughs> that's true. That's true. If I go in my own medicine cabinet, there's, you know, Advil and Tylenol, not acetaminophen and ibuprofen. Yeah, there like, you go. Yeah, definitely. But I didn't know that. That's so yeah. funny. <laughs> Snoop Dogg's cannabis. Is it better? Is it better quality?
0: Probably. Look, <laughs> he seems like he seems pretty pain free and happy.
1: I feel like Snoop Dogg's like the founder of <laughs> Well let me tell you
2: from from a lot of patient feedback, it's 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 a hit or a miss, you know. You either like it or you don't. And and again, it's personal
1: preference that comes into play at that point. So Right, right. Um you talked to us on the free education night about Different strains, you know, like sativa versus indica and differences. And can you do a quick little yeah. education on that?
2: Um. So, general rule of thumb is sativa. If you use it during the day. It keeps you alert. It keeps you peppy all day. And indica in the couch, <laughs> um, because usually it's um it's more sedative and it's calming, and you usually take it before you go to sleep, kind of. uh, That's the idea. That's the general rule of thumb. And this is something that I would tell, again, a novice um, cannabis user. However, studies are showing that there's a whole spectrum. um, And and a lot of it depends on something called terpenes, which are in cannabis. Terpenes um, are... Characteristics of the plant that helps with aroma, like th- things like smell, the cannabis smell, and and they help with the chemical structure of cannabis too. They can so you can essentially um, in in one study I think they were saying that there was this um, one strain. It was an indica strain. So you're thinking, okay, indica. So I'm gonna take this for insomnia because I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Well. If there's a, there was a terpene called myrcene, this strain, if, if it had more than 5.5% of myrcene, it was considered to be indica. But if it was less than 0.5% of myrcene, it was considered to be sativa. So there's, there's a huge variety within whether it's indica or sativa. But, you know, like I say, for general... Novice users who don't really know much about it. I just go by the general rule of thumb with indica being and
1: uh, Indicouch. couch. I will never forget that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, and sativa for for daytime so indica nighttime sativa daytime. But then um, and and most uh, I, I would say most um, recreational and frequent users of cannabis would know that it's not as simple as indica or sativa. It's not. The the definitions are not as concrete as what they make it out to be. Well,
1: that to me seems like it makes sense why you would want to, especially elderly patients, I guess, who are skeptical, not even just elderly, there's going to be people who are skeptical, period, and they want to make sure they're taking the right type or the right strain, the right dosage. It makes sense why somebody would want to go get assessed by a person who understands cannabis and um, the chemistry. Exactly. There's so much chemistry. There
2: is. There is, I, there's know. so many different factors. Um, and I should also note that, you know, you also get those patients that are like, oh, you know, I was such a, I, I was a user back in the 60s. You know, I went to Woodstock and, and, and everything. And I have to tell them, I'm like, the stuff that you smoked back in the 60s is not the same Thing that is on the street or is or that licensed producers sell now cannabis right now is 10 times stronger than what it was back in the 60s and 70s so you have to be very very careful even if you did use a lot back then when you use cannabis now you have to start with a very very low dose and and we're very very careful about that we ensure that we we set you down the right path. Mm-hmm. For example, we have a we have a ninety eight year old patient who has just started on on CBD oils, and so with her, um, we made sure that her family doctor knew, her cardiologist knew, all the doctors, all the specialists that she was seeing, they all knew because of her age, because of the sheer fact that she's never used cannabis, um, and when we started her off with cannabis therapy, it was a very very low dose, very tiny. Very tiny amount because, again, of her age and all the medications that she's already on. We just want to make sure that it doesn't counteract with anything. And we're going to follow her very, very closely um, to see that
0: she's responding well to the treatment. Can we make some distinctions between the recreational use and the medicinal use? Mm-hmm. So for example, from what I'm understanding just by sitting in on this conversation, most of the time medicinal use, we're talking about a prescription of CBD, right? Versus most of the time when someone's using it recreational, it's all about the THC. Yeah.
2: Well, that's the main thing. I mean, even if you go on the OCS website, mm-hmm. um, you'll see a lot of higher THC products, which may not be... Beneficial for someone who's coming in for anxiety
0: first, let's say,
2: because THC can actually make anxiety symptoms worse. It can even cause panic attacks in in some patients. So, for an anxiety patient to just go on the OCS website and get something from the website without consulting a doctor, it's not really going to help alleviate their anxiety. So, if you want to target a specific condition, I would suggest coming into a clinic being assessed and um, essentially will hold your hand throughout the entire process.
0: So also from a legal standpoint what are what are the major differences like with with recreational use it allows me to carry so much with me Is that correct?
2: Yes so I think you can order one gram uh, a day okay. Um, at a time, and
0: I can have that on my person.
2: You can have that on your person.
0: And um, for recreational use, it'll also allows me to grow
2: up to four plants. Yeah, something can, like
0: that. A very yeah. small yeah, yeah, number. Yeah,
2: yeah, you're right. Um, up to four plants, you can grow. Okay, and um, and
0: then when I when I have a prescription, that that allows me to carry more and grow more. Or is these depends are these different... on the
2: prescription. Depends on what the physician would determine that you would need. Okay. Um, with growing, there is. A, there's a whole bunch of paperwork that you would have to do. Right, um, it can take up to eighteen weeks to get get to get um, Health Canada's approval. Maybe even longer if you're missing a few documents here and there. Actually, growing the plant. Yep. Um, it takes skill. I mean, yes. it's, it's a very particular thing to do and, and it may not turn out as well as you, you might hope it would. Right. So,
0: um, so that has nothing to do with the prescription. That's a whole other set of stuff I have to do in order to be able to grow for you, medicinal purposes. You can purposes. still
2: get a prescription t- um, to grow your own. Okay. Um, under the ACMPR. Gotcha. Um, but um, it's, again, it's, there's a lot of different factors that come into play right right um, like how much you can grow and how much you'll need and it, it 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 is a bit more expensive than if you were to
1: um apply for a license license to just possess
0: right, right right
1: yeah, interesting we you we were talking about the different conditions and you mentioned anxiety a few times and you know thC possibly making someone's anxiety worse. um and I know when you were here for the education night, we talked about some of the negative impacts of cannabis because I and I even jokingly said to you, like, well, I've been spreading misinformation because I constantly say I can't see the downside. Like in in my experience and what I know, and not that I've done research, is that, you know, people don't yeah. overdose. People aren't dying mm-hmm. from cannabis overdoses. So when you look at something like opioids, which yeah. are prescribed so easily, and then you look yeah. at cannabis, to me it didn't make sense. Right. Why there was such a hesitation in the medical community, um, but there are negative sides, yes, and for sure. I think we should um, talk about that.
2: Like I said, it can it can exacerbate panic attacks and anxiety. We generally don't prescribe cannabis to people with schizophrenia because again, it can make it worse. It can make their delusions worse, cause hallucinations. It's one of those medications again that a lot of research still needs to be done on the way cannabis affects mental mm. health. Um, we're finding that yes it is helping with anxiety and depression.
1: I read somewhere actually, sorry to cut you off, no worries. and now I have I I'll go back and look for the source at some yeah. point, but I read somewhere that it was actually being researched as a treatment for schizophrenia.
2: You know what, they're also it's it's also used as treatment for PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um so they're doing research on veterans. So there are conflicting studies out there, which is why I tell patients, I'm like, let's, don't consider it a miracle drug. Let's wait and see what the studies are saying about this before we come to a conclusion. Schizophrenia, I, I know generally Doctors won't prescribe. So it's very interesting to me that this study has come up. But then we also have to take into consideration that it's one study.
1: One study. Exactly. Exactly.
2: So a lot of, and that's the thing with cannabis studies and not just cannabis, it's just medical studies in general, you'll hear, you know, CTV or CTV. CBC or someone reporting on this study that's groundbreaking, but we also have to take into consideration that's one study. Mm -hmm. If we have multiple studies corroborating that one study, then we can say, yes, there's something to go on here. Mm -hmm. But when it's just one study, you know, we have to be
1: mindful of... Definitely. Can a person overdose? No
2: one has officially overdosed and died like, like with opioids. But um, there, I would say that there is a cannabis dependence. Um, Some people find that after using cannabis for a long period of time to come off of it is very difficult.
1: Like there are withdrawal
2: symptoms? Yeah. Yeah. They have withdrawal symptoms we find. So I wouldn't say that it's as bad as What's going on with uh, you know benzodiazepines and opioids and alcohol mixing and everything? Although you shouldn't mix cannabis with alcohol. Um, why? I, I'm not <laughs> saying I want to do that. It but just why? heightens. <laughs> it just heightens the effects of cannabis. So if you're using THC and you're already finding that you know you're kind of feeling a little buzz and you're feeling a little high, alcohol can, can make those symptoms a lot more
1: prominent. Gotcha. (laughs)
2: Um, so like, like I was saying with, uh, what was I saying before?
0: (laughs) Talk (laughs) about pregnancy, right? Withdrawal.
2: Withdrawals. Yeah. So like I was saying with, with withdrawals, um, it's not as bad as opioids, but, um, you you can
0: what, have some. Do you know what what the what those signs and symptoms are? In the yeah,
2: so a lot of so with legalization, one of the one of the um, stories that came out was that hospitals in in Ontario and around Canada were preparing themselves for an influx of cannabis uh, overdoses. So that could be excessive sweating, um, heart palpitations. Um, it could be panic attacks, um, just hallucinations in in
1: some patients. Right. I didn't know that existed. By the way, we've had this discussion. We've had this discussion we've before this discussion because discussion I'm okay edibles. to
0: smoke. I'm okay to smoke uh, THC uh, cannabis. I'm like I'm happy to get high or stoned or whatever the case is, off of lighting a joint or smoking a pipe. But I will not do edibles because I every time I hear that one little story of someone potentially having, you know, hallucinations, it's always been associated with edibles. And, and I'm, I, didn't, I, didn't, I am I'll just tell scared as shit I'll tell
2: you why, to hallucinate. Though. It's because edibles, and this goes for oils as well. When, when I give patients oils, I tell them this. Because you're ingesting it, it takes longer for your body to metabolize. Right. So you could be sitting there for two hours and not feel anything, and you're thinking... I just had something and it's been two hours. Maybe I didn't take enough. So you'll take more, but it's just that it just takes the edibles two hours for, for it to kick into your body. But you've already given yourself another dose by then. And you're already, Mm -hmm. now you're two doses ahead (laughs) and you're thinking that. I
1: got to tell you a, a college kid story. Then I was in university and a guy that I dated in university, him and his roommates decided to experiment and make their own brownies. So I came over to see my boyfriend and he said, do you want to try some? I had never had anything like that before and I was like, okay, sure, you know, it's it's university. Like, doesn't everybody do that? <laughs> apparently, apparently not. I'm getting this look from Mark that no, I didn't do that. <laughs> um, so did I? I ate, um, whatever that he gave me, like a third of a brownie or something. And it's exactly as you said, after about an hour, I said to him, well, I don't know what you guys did, but you did it wrong yeah. because I feel totally fine. And I went, I said, let me have the other half. And, or the other, the other piece of the brownie and, um, his roommate who I guess had done this before said to me, don't do it. I'm like, what are you talking about? I feel nothing. He goes, no, no, it just takes a while. I'm like, it's been over an hour. You're ridiculous. So I didn't listen to the advice. I ate the rest of this brownie. So by the end of it, I had had a brownie that was pretty decent (laughs) size. And, um, I ended up going home. Um, and I was fine, fine, fine. And all of a sudden it was like my body no longer worked. So there's no hallucinations. I didn't feel like I was out of my mind. It was my body. It just, nothing worked. Like I had these rubber arms. I ended up laying in bed and I fell asleep with my right arm across my chest. And I slept the entire night like that because I couldn't move my arm from under me. So I woke up in the middle of the night, my, you know, I had pins and needles. My hand was asleep. Yeah and i just felt like my body couldn't function yeah. it was the most unpleasant experience yeah. i've ever had in my entire life and after that i was like nope never again and so i've me, never eaten yeah.
2: anything again and let me tell you a lot of patients who who tried their oils for the first time have gone through something similar they're like it's been it's been an hour it's been a couple hours it's nothing's happening so they take another dose and the the other unfortunate aspect of of eating edibles or, or taking ingesting cannabis is that it stays in your system for longer than if you were to smoke
1: it. Yeah, I had to sell so. concert tickets for the next evening because I still didn't feel normal. Yeah. <laughs> I was supposed to go to a concert the next night. And I was like, yeah. nope, I can't. Yeah. I can't like I can't stand and be at a concert and be active. I just want to be laying down y- yes. right now.
2: Yes. So it stays in your system for anywhere between 6 to 12 hours. Wow. So, yeah, it's so even though it takes longer to kick in, it stays in your body for a longer period of time. Whereas if you were to smoke it, you'll feel it almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll only last in your system for about four hours. Mm-hmm.
1: So people do hallucinate? Yes. Yeah, I have we, seen cases. We've talked about this so many times. And I tell Mark every time I'm like, I just can't see that being possible. Because I go back to that, you know, that night where I ate that gigantic yeah. brownie. And I'm like, I was I was totally normal. Like my yeah. brain was functioning fine. It yeah. was my body that shut down. Yeah.
2: I say everything in moderation.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and the same thing with cannabis. Um, you know, if you drink too much water, it's going to kill you. If you take yeah. too much salt, it's going to kill you. If you take drink too much coffee, it's going to kill you. Same thing with cannabis. Moderate it. Only take what you need and be mindful of how much you've consumed. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think if you do that, and, and, and from a medical perspective, if you listen to your provider, and and the, usually they give you a schedule on how to titrate and how to use and dose. If you follow that, you'll be okay. Don't try to self-medicate, and if you do, like I said, everything in moderation, and cannabis should be done in the same way. Yeah.
0: So when it comes to tolerance of cannabis use, and I'm 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 coming into the clinic, and then it appears like, hey, I need a larger and larger and larger dose as time's going by. Like, what's your cutoff on something like that? Like, you know, if you if you, if if I've been prescribed opiates, then it's going to be like, well, this is the cutoff. Like, mm-hmm. you're you're not getting anything more. Or, you know, you're really not to exceed this amount per, like, what's the yeah. what's the cutoff like?
2: So uh, with us, we fi- have to find a therapeutic dose. So think of it like, I, 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 I explain it to the patients as, if you take too little cannabis, it's not going to work. Right. But if you take too much, it's not going to work. So there's that sweet spot, there's that Goldilocks zone that we kind of have to figure out. And that's where titrating comes in. That's where um, a doctor's uh, input and opinion comes in. And and when, if you stick to that Goldilocks zone, you'll be okay. You won't have that need to um, increase your dose all the time or feel like your tolerance is getting um, better. It's because your body already has receptors through the endocannabinoid system for these for these cannabinoids. And when you introduce it in a slow and steady manner, we can keep those levels steady and you don't need to keep going up, up, up or reduce
1: or whatever. Right, right. Is there any research that you've heard about recently? Like anything new that's coming out? Anything new and exciting? There is. I mean, every
2: day there's something new that's coming out with cannabis. I know... Being pregnant, I'm not going to use cannabis. I'm not going to. I'm not going to use it for whatever reason. But studies are showing that in small doses, CBD is helping with morning sickness and nausea, vomiting that ex- that is experienced by some women in in pregnancy. Mm -hmm. But again, please don't like, if there are pregnant women listening, (laughs) don't go to your local store and get CBD oil for your morning sickness. But, um, it's interesting. These studies are coming out and I just want to see more data. I want to see more evidential, more evidence on, on how therapeutic it is. All the, all the, um, most I would say of the research that was done back in the 90s and the 80s, was more observational, but we need evidence-based research right now.
0: (laughs) Sorry, I'm laughing because when you say observational, I think of that opening scene in what movie was that? Was that Pineapple Express? <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you seen
2: it? I haven't seen it actually. Oh my! my husband's goodness. been on my case. He's like, yeah, I. You I just, need to I see mean, it. yes, you, you know,
1: you know the science <laughs> behind it, you know the chemistry, but yeah, the opening <laughs> scene of Pineapple Express. For anyone who hasn't seen it, I can just watch that scene over and <laughs> over again. They're uh, they're doing observations. They have um, a guy. I guess smoke a joint or
0: smoke yeah. A malt so it's joint. the army. The army the is army, doing yeah. uh, uh, studies on item nine. Yeah, <laughs> on, on item nine. So they have they have like a dude. In hazmat suit, that's giving the the soldier a joint to smoke, and then they're gonna they're, they're sitting back you know, like they have him in like a glass room, and they're they're observing yeah. his behavior now that he smoked item nine, and that yes. was the whole idea. Then once they see his behavior is just like completely insane, they're like, yeah. "Item nine illegal." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is the funniest
1: scene though. It's the bee's knees. <laughs> anyway, back
2: on track. <laughs> the good part about legalizing is that it allows research companies to do research on cannabis on, on the substance that was previously banned that they couldn't use right. for research. Um, now they can. And so you, you see a lot of Canadian companies investing in cannabis research. Um, a lot of universities, I know that um, U of T is, is doing some research on cannabis. Um, West University of Western Ontario is doing research. So all of, the, all of these great things are happening because we federally legalized it. And so um, hopefully if the same thing happens in the States, we
1: can see a lot of research come out within the next few years. That would be really cool because again, like I I agree with you, it's not a miracle drug, but there are just so many benefits. And multiple times on the podcast, I keep saying this over and over again, I'm like a broken record. Like I just don't see the downside into this being a viable option do you have any idea how many cannabis clinics exist even just in let's say Ontario? Like do you have an idea? A
2: lot. I mean when when I first started in the in the industry I'd probably say there was there were about two or three. Um now there are a lot. There are I, I couldn't even tell you how many. And these cannabis clinics too, they don't just have one location. They have multiple locations. Like mm-hmm. like for example, Green Zone has two locations and we'll, we'll be expanding to more to, to to having more um in the new year. So it's uh it's just a fast growing
1: industry. Yeah, it seems like one day nobody knew anything, and then the next day every conversation was about cannabis cannabis and about legalization. Yeah,
0: I actually have a question about the licensed producers. I don't know (laughs) if you can tell me about that. Because I, you know, at one point, because I listen to a lot of talk radio, but then I never get to hear the end of the story because I end up being where I need to be. (laughs) And I was hearing a lot about Smith Falls. Okay. Tell me about Smith Falls.
2: Yeah, so there is a a licensed producer out of Smith Falls. I believe it's Canopy now. They used to be um, called Metrum. Um, but they've now joined with Canopy. A lot of acquisitions happening business wise in the in the cannabis world, and it's a it's a huge acre like acres and acres of of land mm-hmm. um, where this one licensed producer um, produces a ton of cannabis. Um, and it's one of the biggest producers in Ontario. Right,
0: because that's what I kept hearing on the news, like how this whole thing kind of saved Smith Falls. Yeah. Like it just really kind of you know, yeah, it was brought a, it was them a up in terms town of... that
2: was very was shutting down. They weren't really known for much. I think they had a chocolate factory mm-hmm. there or something, which was shutting down chocolate and cannabis. <laughs> I like this place. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. Then. I'm not sure. I'm not a hundred percent sure if it was chocolate or something else, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was shutting down and then, um, Then in 2014, um, the MMPR passed, the the legislation passed for licensed producers to grow and disperse, dispense cannabis. And at the time, Metrum bought this facility and essentially saved the entire town. So, so many people have jobs because of this industry. Um, And it's like, like I said, it's a very fast growing industry that every day there's a new job posting on Indeed or whatever for
1: for a new position that 10 years ago just didn't exist. Do you see it ever getting to a point or do you see it getting to this point in the near future where like if I go to my GP, we're going to talk about cannabis yes. or is it going to be that we have to go specifically to a cannabis clinic?
2: No, I think um, and, and I touched on it earlier when I said we need to educate our physicians mm-hmm. because like I said, in med school, they don't teach you much. So these well, physicians yeah. are coming out of med school not knowing much about cannabis except for their own personal um, experience with it. Um, so we need to have programs where doctors and nurse practitioners get the proper education. Now, at Green Zone, we are implementing a program similar to, to that where we're, when we hire our doctors and nurse practitioners, they have to go through extensive training. Um, so we'll teach them a lot about cannabis before they start uh, dosing patients. Um, but I know that U of T again is is going to come up with a cannabis program, cannabis centered program. Um, so so many different colleges and universities are coming up with, with uh, programs and accreditations um, that that's going to be beneficial. But I think one thing that I'd really like to see is for uh, CPSO, that's the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario, if they could come up with a program or accreditation program where doctors all around Ontario can, if they want to, can learn about cannabis and get accreditation themselves, it would just, it would be so, it would be groundbreaking, I think. Because patients would then be able to get the knowledge that they need from mm-hmm. these physicians instead of them having to say, you know, I'm just not going to prescribe because I don't know much about it. I'm
0: curious from what you've noticed, is there, is there like an age demographic with doctors that are like, you know what, not, not going near this? Or, yeah, you know, I'm interested to learn.
2: Um, the new doctors that are coming out are definitely a lot more open. They are young. They've, you know, they've experimented with it themselves. And oddly enough, the elderly ones as well. Um, I one of the doctors at a clinic that I was working for. He was probably in his eighties, and uh, because he went
1: to Woodstock. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But yeah, he, he would prescribe cannabis and uh, he was completely okay with it. But I think um, it's the sort of the mid-range doctors, the doctors that graduated in like the 70s and the 80s when when there was like this really big crackdown on cannabis happening. They're the ones that, that are still like, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure. And I'm like, that's fine to say I don't know and I'm not sure. But the logical thing to do would then be to research and mm-hmm. to learn and to and to find out for yourself like that's what I would do when I don't know something right but it's just that enthusiasm is just not there so we need we need people who can Go out there and do physician outreach and educate these
1: physicians so that they can educate their patients. Oh, exactly. That's what I mean. Pharmaceutical companies do that, right? Well,
0: with that's yeah. the thing. It's so, the are pharmaceutical companies being involved? Are they involved with cannabis right now?
2: Um, that was slowly. Kind of,
0: yeah, it is. So, there
2: are a f- one or two that have that have that have come into. Uh, certain deals with licensed producers
0: right so i think once that happens the quote unquote doctor education begins
2: well exactly it's already it's happening i mean licensed producers are going out educating doctors um our clinics are are doing it
0: but the pharmacology but the, company yeah that's when the difference kicks in that's right? sort of where
1: I was going with that question earlier but I, I just decided to stop like not to be offensive to doctors or anyone but you know you always hear it that doctors get their drug education from the drug companies themselves yeah. and I mean as a patient that's always been very unsettling to yeah. me that the person who is teaching you about the drug do you want to is hear the something... one who's making the money from it. Hey, that, do you, that's you want to hear something unsettling. even more
2: unsettling? Yes. No, not... Yes. <laughs> not I haven't seen this so much in Canada, but when I was in the States, um, so drug companies would, you know, pay for the doctor's lunches mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. their entire staff or take them out for a nice steak dinner as a medical student, I think there was this one, one week where I had steak dinner the entire week, and I, we didn't have to pay because it was paid for by the, <laughs> by the pharmaceutical company and the reps, and all we had to do was listen to them talk about this drug— for the, for the evening. And then the doctor would be given samples and they'd just have to give it to
1: their patients and they get a kickback. Of course. Oh boy. I mean, this is a topic of another conversation, but talk about conditioning. When somebody (laughs) brings up that drug, you're like, oh yeah, steak dinner. Yeah. (laughs) It's just so twisted. And that's, you know, again, like I said, I'm not trying to be offensive to doctors. I don't hate all doctors. I don't hate the medical community, but it's, it's, Part of the reason I think that this whole cannabis stigma still exists and the drugs are being pushed yeah. because there's incentive for yeah. the drugs to be pushed. 100%. As Mark said, now if there's going to be incentive oh, for the cannabis to be sure. pushed.
0: For sure. And like this even brings up, we're going to do a podcast on this very soon because recently there's been an extended healthcare provider. We can say the name. I have no problem saying sure. the name. Sure. Greenshield has been doing a lot of social media stuff about trimming back massage therapy. Cutting it out completely. Cutting it out completely for many, many plans. And their big thing is it's such a a fucking shit the way they do it, right? So their advertising on it is if you can give little Susie life-saving drugs, would you – give up your massage therapy coverage.
1: They're trying to guilt, really? trying yes. to guilt their clients. Are you serious? Yes. That's the question? Yes. They're trying to guilt the clients. And, you know, they've said things comparing massage therapy to taking a nap. It's, you know, they're trying to basically guilt the client saying, you know, this luxury that you're getting, your massage therapy is taking away drug coverage from our other members no. who really need it. no. That's well, well, yeah, the answer is so
2: no. unethical. It's
1: it's a big problem yeah. that uh, we've actually had three different people reach out to us and say, please do a podcast on this. <laughs> yes. So we will. Yes. We won't get into it today. We will. I but would
2: listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's
1: so unethical. Very. Uh, so what else? I mean, is there anything else that you think that people really need to know? Like, I love... I love hearing that, you know, more research is happening. I actually didn't know. And I feel very happy now that I totally understand that medicinal legalization happened all the way in 2001, because you're right. I only started hearing about it at the last clinic that I used to work at. I had a couple of clients who had vaporizers and they had, they're like, oh, no, no, I have a prescription for this. And that was, yeah, probably 2014, 2015. And that's when I started hearing about it. And I always wondered, how is this happening? Like how? So, hey, I've,
0: I've actually heard stories, and again, because I listen to too much talk radio, maybe you can shed some light on it, about purchasing um, recreational cannabis and mm-hmm. then having difficulty potentially crossing the border into the States.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. So th- that's a very big issue right now. Um, and, and especially because Canada as a country has legalized it. So mm-hmm. they're being very um, very careful at the border. Um So don't, even if you have a medical prescription, don't take your cannabis to the States. Don't fly with your cannabis um, outside of the country. Within Canada is okay as long as it's in the original packaging that it came in, because that packaging is essentially your prescription. It's got your name on it, Mm -hmm. who prescribed it, how much is on there, all that stuff. So within Canada is okay. Don't take it internationally because it's only legal in Canada, not in the country that you're going to. So unfortunately... For these patients um, who need their cannabis, if if they're going to the states, I tell them if it's a state that has legalized medical cannabis, you can find something similar there and use it for the duration of the time that you're there. But unfortunately, do not carry it over with you. And also don't give the border guys a reason to pull you over. So mm-hmm. just before the border, don't just hotbox box your car. <laughs> <laughs> um, so don't give them a reason. As long as they don't have a reason to pull you over, they won't pull you over. Um, so, and, and be truthful if, if, If you do get pulled over and and if you have used it, tell them, yes, you've used it. Uh, Do you have it with you? No. Uh, Are you going to bring it across the board? No. Um, So as long as you're being sensible about that. I think you'll be okay.
0: I think there was also a lot of paranoia generally from people. Like, if I'm ordering this online, like, how visible is what my activity online? And therefore, does it make things like potentially crossing the border more difficult for me? I don't think it's
1: paranoia. I think you know the the fact that we can only purchase from. The online store, like the government-run online yeah. store, yeah. of course they're tracking who's purchasing. Okay. Of, cor- well, of course they are. I don't think it's paranoia. Yeah. I think that's just fact.
2: Yeah, but I, I also think that, um, like I said, it's it's the border guys that are not going to sit there going through every single car, being like, "Who's used cannabis? Who hasn't?" Right. It's just, just be logical about it, and and don't, again, don't give them a reason to be like. Do I need to do more investigating on this person? Uh, do I need to pull them over? Don't do that. Another th- contentious issue is driving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, with cannabis, um, we tell our patients if you have if you're taking THC, do not drive within four hours of consumption. It, it's gonna stay in your system, but it's. It's one of those things where the Toronto police doesn't have a way to measure impairment. So with cannabis, if you were to smoke or inhale or consume cannabis, um, it'll last in your system anywhere between 30 to 90 days. Now, you could have smoked it November 1st. And then not get have gotten pulled over until November thirtieth, but if they were to do uh a p test or something or you're in dark yep. screen, it'll come up as THC, but you're not impaired exactly. at that moment yeah. mm-hmm. so impair they can they don't have a way to impair uh to to judge impairment. However, we tell patients even still, be careful don't don't drive within four hours of taking your cannabis. Another unfortunate issue is that. CBD and THC come from the same plant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So because CBD and THC come from the same plant, you could essentially not be on any THC at all. But when they administer the urine drug screen, it'll show up as THC. So that's where uh, a prescription would come come in. Um, that's where we tell patients, you know what, keep keep your prescription with you, keep it on you. And so if you do end up getting pulled over, you can show them, you know, I, I actually need it for medicinal purposes and this is CBD, mm-hmm. not THC.
0: Getting pulled over is a whole weird thing to begin yeah. with in the first place because, you know, can you pass a field sobriety test, yeah. those types of things. But even still, you know, at, at those times, police, if you're getting pulled over and it's not like a, a ride or a spot check, they have to, they have to show cause for even pulling you over in the first place. Exactly. And those, those are things that a lot of people just don't know exactly. in general, right? So there's so many rights that you have that you you don't necessarily exercise because you just don't know the law and very well. And another
2: thing too, there, there are so many people driving right now that that are on so many different opioids and
0: oh, for sure. and mm.
2: painkillers that shouldn't be driving, that, that should not be on the road.
0: Let's not even talk drugs, just even sleep deprived. Yeah, well, yeah. exactly.
2: Um, Pretty
1: much every mother out there should stop driving.
2: Yes, seriously. <laughs> no, seriously. It's, it's, it's one of those things where you, you just have to be smart about it and be careful if you're a cannabis user or a medical cannabis user, to,
1: like keep your, prescription with yeah the medical users definitely you know keep your prescription Um, but now that it is legal recreationally if you're a recreational user this is where people are Yeah. yeah be responsible but I think this is where people are kind of questioning like how how is this going to be policed because there isn't a way to determine impairment and
2: that's that's one of the that was one of the um I guess the downside to legalization so quickly or legalizing marijuana so quickly is because we don't have these parameters set in place. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, Justin Trudeau made a promise and he had to.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, this is strictly my opinion. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm agree or disagree with how quickly it happened, but I don't think it's actually going to make that much of a difference in terms of people on the road. Because even though cannabis wasn't legal before October 17th, it was everywhere. It was. I mean, people were yeah. still using it. Yeah. It, it. It's probably one of the most like predominantly used substances. Yes. I feel like people were even open about it. It wasn't something that like I would walk out of my condo and there would be, you know, a couple people there smoking a joint. Yeah. Like it was not a big deal. Yeah. And I think the same people that would have gotten behind a wheel when it wasn't legal are the same, same people, people that, that will do there. it now. Yeah. I think, you know, I don't think it's going to change all that much. No. Honestly. Yeah. But that's just my opinion.
2: I, from what I gather, from the little research that I've been doing, um, it, it hasn't spiked uh, in Ontario since legalization, the amount of um, cannabis users. It's kind of, but it is being reported on a lot more when someone does get behind a wheel and get into an accident and be like, oh, you know, so-and-so was driving high. Um, But... In other cases, like in Colorado, when you look at Colorado and um, places like California, there was a spike. And that's what the Ontario police is more worried about. They're expecting to see that spike. It's only been, what, a month and a half? Mm -hmm. Um, So from what they gather right now, there hasn't been a huge spike. So we'll give it some time. We'll give it a year. Yeah, we see. don't know anything yet. It's exactly. so new. Exactly. Yeah. And summertime is usually when the crazy drivers come out, anyway. So yeah, with I, the I, nice weather.
0: I almost <laughs> want to hear their their because you know how around the new year they always do their, their holiday years. holiday drunk driving stats, and I want to hear how the the cannabis yeah. uh, driving stats play out yeah. against those.
2: Well, it's funny when you when you um go across the border now, like they they have signs on um like just leading towards the states. They're like, cannabis is not legal in in the USA. Just make sure you don't have any cannabis in the car just on the way to like Mm -hmm. the border. It has, they have those signs now.
1: The signs combined with everything I see posted on Facebook, it's like after October 17th, suddenly everybody thought everybody in Canada was going to be high.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. They
1: were expecting this and huge, like, huge spike. No,
2: it's it's the same. It's Everything is the same. That's why when you ask me that question, medically, how has it been different? It hasn't really been different.
1: It's not different.
2: Maybe people will call our clinic asking if we're a dispensary, but <laughs> aside from that, we mm-hmm. haven't really been.
1: I think that now that it's legal... Um, again, it's it hasn't been that much time, but now that it's legal, cannabis clinics probably will see somewhat of a spike in business because maybe people might be more willing, if, especially if their doctors get on board, like yes. maybe you want to go get assessed here. Yes. Maybe you want to talk to these people. Yes. So I think there there might be a spike in business for you guys.
2: I think um, the number one thing would be to have doctors understand cannabis better yeah, and and to educate their patients about it because once they do that... That, that for us is 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 business, is good for business because then once the doctors start educating patients then we can then patients can say, you know, this is something that I might be willing to try. Mm-hmm. It's something that um that might
0: help me. And this is a lot different I just wanna get out there and say that. It's a lot different than, you know, for example, I smoke. And I had a friend that said, Hey, you know what? There's a doctor that I know down here. If you go there and just tell him you have back pain, no problem, give him a hundred bucks and he'll he'll give you a card that says you can you can carry and use. This is significantly different. Like that I, I, I do wanna stress. This yes. is where you guys are assessing conditions.
2: Yes. And and we're not Legally, we can't charge patients for prescriptions. That is a prescription. that is a medical prescription. We cannot charge for any prescription. No mm-hmm. doctor can charge for a prescription. So um we are trying to do things legally, um, but at the same time, our focus is is ensuring that there is proper education because that's mm-hmm. just something that has that has been lacking. Um, marijuana has just been this treated as this like horrible gateway drug and by the way it's not oh
1: I hate that term. Know, it's not I a know, gateway drug It's not
2: but it with education you see that if you use it responsibly and you use it for the proper reasons you use it for for what you need and it can be really helpful hmm. it really can
1: before we give everybody the information on your clinic and something I want to do um we talked before, the people that we had on our podcast one time, Earth Kisses Sky, you know that yes, company. Yes, yes. Uh, one of them said something, and I can't remember which of them it was, but one of them said something that I thought was really interesting is, um, you know, with this whole stigma that people had about smoking and whatever, um It it should get to a point that it doesn't matter if you're using it medicinally or if at the end of the day you just want to go and smoke a joint and relax in your home and you're being responsible about it. That's the thing. Why does it have to be Be looked at? Why does it have to be looked at any different than me going home after a day of work and having a glass Glass of of wine? wine.
2: Exactly. Why does it have to? be And that was one of the arguments um, for legalizing cannabis. It's if you're going to legalize alcohol and if alcohol is legal you have to legalize marijuana. You have to, because alcohol affects your brain. It affects your liver, your kidneys. Um, You can die from too much alcohol consumption. Mm -hmm. But with medical marijuana at the time, there wasn't any evidence to suggest that it causes, um, you know, so many different like so many different conditions that alcohol causes it doesn't damage your body the same way that alcohol damages obviously if you're going to smoke cannabis then you're putting too much stress on your lungs and stuff but if you if you use it um like i said responsibly
0: responsibly, yeah i think it's an old person thing when old people die i think that's going to be gone
1: i don't know if it is just an old person thing i think it's a generation thing my daughter my daughters
0: will never know now the idea of going to Saul's basement (laughs) to sit there (laughs) to pick up your dime bag and now you got to sit down and he's trying to convince you to stay and watch a movie and hang out and do all the because that stuff is real. My daughter's never going to know that. He's really just big Pineapple Express again. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, I have a friend I call him Saul and (sighs) it's the exact setup, right? My daughter will never know that because she'll just go to the dispensary or jump online to the cannabis store and order her stuff. Okay. So it's in a generation. Regard, thing.
1: I agree with you. But what I what I meant by it's not an old person thing is when we first started doing this series on our podcast, you know, we had the companies that do the cannabis topicals, we had Honey and Oak, we had Earth Kisses the Sky, then we had you guys come in to do the free education night. Um, with each of those, it, it all started because I I have a family member who's not that old. She's only in her fifties and she has this idea that, um, it's drug use, it's bad. And she's so against it because I suggested to her, the cannabis topicals for some mm-hmm. of her pain. And she said, I'm completely against drug use. I'm yeah, like, but well, her children won't for feel like now? that. Exactly. What, what are you taking for it
2: now? Is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. To go back to, to, you know, your daughter not having to, it's, it's great because what I'm hearing from patients too is, with legalization, they're able to start this dialogue with their with their children as young as 10 years old. When they're talking about drugs and things like that, they're able to start a dialogue about cannabis and and how it may differ from other drugs. That you know, if you, you still have to be careful with it, right. um, and and when the time comes, you'll have to. Um, adhere to certain parameters of how to use it. But it's opened this dialogue within families um, and kids are not hopping on the internet to find their information.
1: They're going directly to their parents to start a conversation. Yeah. And that's something I read was that um, parents need to make sure that cannabis is treated the same way as alcohol in their home. Yeah. So if you're going to leave your alcohol in, in a cabinet where your kids can see it and you'll drink openly in front of them, but you're hiding the, cannabis. the fact that you're smoking, then you're sending mixed messages. Exactly.
0: Or you're sending an intentional message. Alcohol's fine. Smoking's exactly. not.
1: Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm
2: glad that across Canada, these conversations in family within families, it's, it's happening and they're being more open.
0: I don't know if I'm sad that my daughters will never have that experience <laughs> because
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: because it is part of the experience. It
2: is. It is. It is the whole way of looking at things. I, I say it's Prohibition 2.0. I mean, yeah. the way things were um, back in... The 1920s or mm-hmm. 30s with alcohol—it's kind of where we're at right now with cannabis, and it's a really cool place to be in, in history, I think. Yeah, I'm excited to see where this is all gonna go. How many?
0: Sorry, I know we're get, wrapping up. How many other countries is illegal? Do we have recreational use legal?
2: Recreational. Um, Canada's the first G8, no G7 country. Yeah. I believe, like, even in Holland or the Netherlands, it's it's not legal. It's not no. legal. Um, even though everybody thinks it is no it's not yeah Yeah. you know that's a very good question I know states it's states um the certain states are legalizing it Mm -hmm. both medically and recreationally but it's not federally legal right maybe in the in central america we may have to look up some stats and yeah you guys
1: on that one yeah i think you've stumped me (laughs) i really
0: uruguay and canada are the only countries that have fully legalized the consumption and sale of recreational cannabis nations all
1: right uruguay yeah you guys are our friends yeah Well, for anybody listening that uh, wants information, because actually something we didn't mention, and I will right now, um, Christine and the doctors at Green Zone Therapy do do uh, phone consultations. So if you're not in the area and you want to get in touch and you want to have an assessment, they will do that over we, the phone. We will
2: also do video consultation. And video consultation. Okay, yes. cool. So you can connect. Um, we'll, we'll help you set up with uh, with an app. If you have a phone or a tablet or a com- computer that um, that has video capabilities, we can see you from anywhere.
1: Perfect. So how do people get in touch with you? Give us some info.
2: Um, so we... We're at, we have two clinics right now, one in Scarborough and uh, one in Ajax. Um, the Scarborough clinic is at Midland and Progress. It's at 2240 Midland Avenue. Um, our phone number is 1 692 2677. You can give us a call anytime, Monday to Friday between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. So that's probably one of the best ways to reach out to us. You can also email us at info. I-N-F-O at greenzonetherapy.com.
1: Okay, and do you guys have a website? Yes, uh, we're at www.greenzonetherapy.com. All right, yeah. so anybody listening, if this sounds like something that you wanna learn more about or you think you might be somebody to benefit from using medical cannabis, you know where to find them and anything else you want to say before we wrap up today? Uh, no, just uh, if, like I said, if you're interested
2: or just do your research on it, uh, be open-minded. And
1: uh, if you're using, please be responsible. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming in no today. No problem. And you look like you, uh, you might need to go walking a little bit. I, I remember these days so well being pregnant and you've been sitting here this whole time. Your body needs some movement. So we're going to let Christine go. Thank you everyone for listening. You've been listening to two massage therapists and a microphone. Bye.